This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Ergel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. It's my honor to have Darlene Johnson on the podcast. Darlene is the wife of Craig Johnson, longtime NFL coach. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. Kristen, it is wonderful to be with you. Thank you for having me on. All right, as we know, we love to start with the X's and O's on this podcast. 38 years as a college and NFL coach, Coach Johnson has had stops at Army, Rutgers, Maryland before jumping into the NFL with 10 years with the Tennessee Titans, Vikings, New York Giants. Gosh, when I say all this and you start kind of recapping it, and when you look back, what stands out to you as to why coach is getting guys to perform at such a high level? So I would say his passion, uh, he started out just, even if I go back to who he was as a young child, he loved football and everything he did growing up was around a ball and particularly football. So he has passion for the game. And, um, and so I would say that what has been a driver for him His career has been that passion that he has for the game and then his passion to do meaningful work uh, with players, not just on the field, but even off the field, but on the field for sure, because that's his job to see them do the very best that they can um, do and be the very best that they can be. Now we go to you. Where did you grow up and did you ever envision this life as a coach's wife? Oh, wow. No, (laughs) not at all. Um, I grew up in central New Jersey in a small town called South Plainfield. And um, I did grow up an athlete. I I loved, always loved sports. My dad um, was a big uh, into sports and and played. Uh, He was actually a four letter winner in high school. Um, So he loved all sports. And so um, even as a girl growing up in the 60s, it didn't really matter to him. Everybody in our house was going to love sports. And so I did grow up with sp- loving sports and especially football. But did I think I would marry a football coach? Absolutely not. Nope, <laughs> not on my radar. No. So how did you guys meet? So we met um, at my alma mater, Rutgers University in New Jersey. Um, Craig had been coaching at West Point. And then he uh, got the job as running backs coach at Rutgers University. And one of the coaches on that staff who knew me um, connected us together. At the time, I was working for um, the Division of Dining Services in their computer department. And so that's how I was connected to the coach on the staff who came into my office one day and one of the coworkers said, hey, we want to meet this new guy that just came from West Point. Can you bring him to our office? And um, the coach did. And mm-hmm. that's how I met Craig. Oh, sparks flew right then. I mean, did you like, hey. <laughs> well, you know, no, I wouldn't say sparks flew right then because I actually was in a relationship with someone else at the time. Okay. Um, but I did offer to, uh, you know, show him around town and that kind of thing. 
And um, we, it, uh, the funny thing that happened is the gentleman that I was dating at the time proposed to me. I got engaged. So Craig and I never connected um, after that initial meeting. And then months later, I broke that engagement off. And that very same coach, uh, Jim Taja, um, who came back into my office months later, like nine months later, and uh, asked if I was still getting married. And I said, no, actually, I'm not. I broke everything off and uh, I'm not dating anyone. And he quickly let Craig know that. And Craig called me and reluctantly so, as he would tell everyone, <laughs> because I found out later he was seeing someone too. So, um, but, you know, as God would have it, uh, he did call and we went out on a date on uh, so nine months after we first met and within probably three months we knew things were pretty serious wow and then how long have you been married uh, we've been married um 33 this year this July will be 34 years awesome congratulations that's incredible thank you thank you do you have any children we do we have two daughters uh Shelby who actually just turned 32 yesterday, and Sydney, um, who will be 30 next month. Wow. Now let's talk about your career. You were the elected chair of the Board of Trustees for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You're the first female African-American board chair and second female ever to lead the board. Tell me about what caught your eye about FCA and why you've chosen to invest your time with that great organization. That is a great question, Kristen. Thank you for asking that. Um, I love FCA, and I actually did not know anything about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes growing up in South Plainfield, New Jersey. I did not have FCA in my high school, um, but it was in um, as obviously an adult, uh, and when we were living specifically in um, the Nashville area, that we really became more involved with FCA. Now I'll, I'll go back even before that. We uh, knew Chris and Les Steckel. So Les Steckel was the previous uh, CEO and president of the ministry. And, and because of our uh, NFL coaching circles, we knew he and Chris. And so I was familiar with FCA just because I knew that's what he did. He was the president and, um, and CEO of the organization and heard things, heard some really great things about FCA, but it did not become personal to us until we met a young lady through my daughter Shelby's high school soccer team who wanted to go to camp, FCA camp, and wanted some financial support uh, to get her to camp. And so she asked uh, me one day after uh, practice if Craig and I would consider uh, supporting her to go to camp. And we did do that. We prayed about it and we felt like this would be an awesome opportunity to um, provide her with the opportunity to experience an FCA camp. And I honestly, we were just really impressed with the fact mm. that she came up to us oh, and asked yeah. So that she took the initiative. It wasn't her parent that asked that, that she actually was uh, mature enough to come up to us and ask. And so then we moved uh, in the same town of Franklin, Tennessee. We moved from one house to another. And in that new neighborhood, we got to know a neighbor who was also a huddle leader 
at a local high school in uh, Nashville. And so FCA started really bubbling forth, right? Things, mm -hmm. opportunities were presenting itself. Then Chris, uh, or I should say Les Steckel called me in 2007 and asked if I would consider serving on the national board. At the time though, I was a teaching leader in Bible study fellowship in Nashville. And I thought, oh, yeah. well, you know, I'm not sure that um, I really have the time for this, but you know what, I'm going to pray about it. So I did mm -hmm. and, and definitely uh, received direction from the Lord that the timing was not now for me to serve on the board. And I thanked him very much for thinking about me, but I just sort of filed in the back of my mind that if the Lord wanted me to do this moving forward, that and it came back around, that ask came back around, that I would, uh, I would really give it some prayerful consideration. Well, that happened hmm. seven years later in wow. 2014. Les called again and asked if I would consider. He said, "Might this be the time that you would consider serving on the board?" And I said, well, Les, this is a kind of a crazy time for me to, to think about taking on something else. Uh, at that time, my dad had just passed away and we were in transition. Craig had just taken a job with the New York Giants. And mm -hmm. so there was a lot going on, but I knew I needed to pray about it. And I did. And I heard the Lord say, this is the time. Mm -hmm. This is where I want you to be. And so I have been uh, a full-time uh, board member board of trustee and as you mentioned former chair since 2015. Wow incredible. I know that you may personally have walked through times that I'm about to describe or have helped other women um, in your roles with FCA but as you know very well in this profession you know not every day you're on the top of the uh in top yeah. of the world right there's highs <laughs> and lows in this business and that's so true oh, it's it's just everybody's face adversity in this profession and if you haven't you you will at some point so what did you rely on to get through tough moments in this coaching profession absolutely my faith uh i grew up in a christian home um and it really for me though growing up in that christian home and, and going to church every Sunday was interesting in that in my, those early years when I was young, those formative years, there was, an, there was a disconnect for me with church. And it really wasn't until a teenage cousin um, studied the Bible with me and my brother and my cousin, her sister, that really the word of God came alive to me. So the journey, uh, my spiritual journey, um, and it for all of us, it's that ongoing um, thing, is it not? Right, but it's really, it really is uh, my faith, was my faith then, is my faith now, that really anchored me. Um, the word of God anchors me um, daily. And that is exactly what I leaned in on and two uh, during the years of uh, living in this coaching world and, and the ups and downs that you go along with it. It's if it weren't for uh, being anchored in, in the word of God and being in Bible study and fellowship with other um, Christian ladies and, and even Bible study with coaches wives, which 
I've been blessed to be a part of once we came into the NFL. Um, all of that together has really helped uh, to anchor me when we specifically, when really, I could say specifically in the highs, but actually, um, you know, the lows is when you need to just lean in even that much deeper. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I taught my girls to never allow yourself to get so high or so low. I said, we stay right there in the middle. We stay humble. We stay focused um, on, on what God has for us. And that just has always helped our family um, keep the right perspective in the coaching business. Wow. Now you said, is this year 33 of being a coach's wife? Is it, you've had what, 33 years? What's one thing? Right. Yeah. What's mm -hmm. one thing you're glad you made a priority in your life? Oh, gosh. Well, the priority in my life is definitely my faith and my pursuit of, of the Lord. No question about it. Um, aside from that, I would say relationships, mm -hmm. the relationships that I have been able to establish and um, develop over the years in this coaching business are treasures to me. Uh, often I will say um, when I'm speaking to people and in particular, when they ask me, well, Darlene, how was it to move here, there and everywhere in this coaching profession? And I said, it hasn't always been easy. However, I can't imagine my life without the relationships I've been able to build mm -hmm. through the various moves in the coaching business. So um, I am a relational person. As we've traveled in various cities, what has always anchored me in each new move is the relationships that I saw after and being anchored in the word of God. You've counseled uh, coaches, wives um, all across the country on many levels of football. You talked about your relationships in the high school level and the college level, and obviously in the NFL. What would you say would be our biggest struggle that we face? And what do you say? What would you say to me, you know, going through those things? Well, my advice always is to stay in the word, to, to cultivate relationships with other coaches' wives that um, really feed your soul, that support you and encourage you um don't and it's really hard now in the world of social media don't pay attention to the news clippings mm. <laughs> and all those social media posts uh, know who you are know who your husband is and don't allow those outside influences to determine determine your day mm. um keep those relationships strong and 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 it's so important to have those relationships with women who build you up. Um, I, I am a true believer and you should always have someone that is uh, building into you, pouring into you so that you're filled up and you can then pour into someone else. So I've always tried to cultivate relationships, whether they were through community Bible study or Bible study with coaches, wives, um, and, and just relationships in the community, period. Um, to be able to have an opportunity to be encouraged and to encourage, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I love that. That's phenomenal advice. I love it. 
This is a hard question that I ask every single time. And every coach is like, please don't ask me. <laughs> but because you carry yourself with such humility, this is going to be hard for you. But we want to know, we come here for tips and advice. And uh, so you've been a backbone of a very successful coach. What are the few things that you think you've done that's actually contributed to the success of his career and your lives as a family? Oh, wow. Okay. So first of all, because I, I love, I love the sport of football. So um, it has been easy for me to embrace that sport and to be supportive. Um, I remember our, when our first board, daughter Shelby was born, uh, Craig would, we were at the time at Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, Virginia, and he would um, leave before she woke up in the morning and then he wouldn't come home until, until after, you know, she had gone to bed. So she could easily go four days without mm. seeing her dad. And I realized one day that when he came in the door one night that she wouldn't go to him. Mm. And I thought, oh my goodness, she doesn't know you. Yeah. She is, she's afraid of her own daddy. So um, one of the things that I did from, from that point on is I made a point of finding out a time where I could always bring the kids in to see him, whether it be like a lunch or a little snack or, you know, I made time. Thankfully, I, I was able to be a stay-at-home mom um, for a large part of our married life in the years that the girls were growing up. I was always involved doing things in the community. I worked um, consulting here or there in the, com in the computer world too. But for the most part, um, I have been a stay-at-home mom. So I've had the blessing of being able to have some flexibility. So I would say, A, um, making sure that my girls spent some quality time, maybe not quantity, but that mm -hmm. they had quality right. time with their father. B, uh, we, I always embraced the players because I looked at his players, especially when we were in college as an extension of our family. So they were like my boys too. Mm -hmm. I, I treated them like they were family. So they could always come over if they wanted to come over and eat. Um, and I would make sure that I had, um, you know, fairly often uh, an open door where they could come in, come over and just hang out. Um, and we would at different uh, teams that we had been on, we would do different things like Halloween gift bags or mm -hmm. Christmas gift bags or those various things. Uh, but I would say, aside from those things and being very supportive at the games, being positive, one thing recently that I had to, and you would think I would have learned this a lot earlier, but, but sometimes my enthusiasm for the sport uh, and as a, a fan, um, <laughs> sometimes trumps the fact that I'm also a coach's wife. <laughs> and it and and Craig reminds me, darling, you know too much about the sport. So sometimes I need you just to give me space after the game before yeah. you critique things. Um, so, <laughs> so I so I have I have this I developed this rule uh, when he was with the New York Giants. Because I grew up a Giants fan, so it was oh, really yeah. difficult yes. for me to separate coach's wife from the fan. And because I know a lot about football and, and the way it goes. Uh, but I, I had to learn uh, that 
I needed to give him a good hour after the game before I critiqued everything. So I learned one of the great things I learned in this business is to give my husband um, more time uh, after the game and be more supportive in that way to let mm-hmm. him process and sort of wind down before before I go into what happened in the game or even what happened in the stands or what even happened, you know, during the week with coaches, wives, that kind of thing. It's just learning to pick your battles and mm-hmm. learning um, to, to, to know when to speak and when yeah. not to. Mm-hmm. That's wisdom. That's good stuff, Darnley. Now, this business is so competitive. It is. You've been at the highest level. I'm sure there had to have been a job that you or your husband anticipated getting or maybe promised, who knows, mm-hmm. and you didn't. I think that happens a lot in this industry where it's like, hey, we're, we'll take you with us when we get this job. And sometimes that mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. So right. what do you say to him to keep him encouraged? Because right now we're in that season where, you know, people right. are getting jobs and then maybe they didn't get on that staff and there's wives listening right now that are going, what are we going to do? How do you keep them encouraged? You know, through the years, um, I have done a few different things. Um, I usually will drop a little note or send him an email or send him a text. Um, When he would go into training camp, I definitely would send a little note. Um, I would tuck a little note in a suitcase that he could read once he got there. Um, But when we're having a a one-on-one conversation, when you're kind of in the heat of everything happening and you know, jobs come up that you and that you know, um, that I would know that he would want and it doesn't happen. You know, I just really, quite frankly, just say, God has another plan. Mm -hmm. Um, If that opportunity did not present itself, then there is something better that he has for you. And um, while you still process the disappointment, um, you really just step back and say, okay, maybe the Lord is protecting us from something that that may not be the right place for us to be. Um, There have been some disappointments, Uh, make no mistake. You know, the Lord has really blessed Craig with a wonderful career, but there has been Mm -hmm. some disappointments for sure. There's some milestones in his coaching career that he would probably tell you he wish he would have been able to attain. um, And that has not happened. uh, But I think the the most important thing for a wife is just to listen, um, to allow your husband to share whatever that disappointment and discouragement is, and be careful not to um, just be real discerning, not to uh, speak before you think, mm-hmm. um, and just always offer words of encouragement because timing is everything in this business, and also this business so much is about who you know. So sometimes those jobs don't come your way because you just don't either know that head coach or know someone on the staff that can help you get to the head coach. There's all that stuff going on. But ultimately, over the years, I have found peace with the fact that if it doesn't happen, it was not meant for us. Hmm. You've coached on multiple levels of football. What do you think are some of the differences that we face either high school, college, or NFL and the ways that you have adapted to them? Well, so I have not had the privilege to coach on the high school level uh, or have, you know, Craig coach on the high school level, be a high school coach's wife, but college and uh, NFL. So 
the biggest differences, um, I would say, in a lot of cases are um, financials and what um, a college team is able to do versus what an NFL team is able to do. Um, now, of course, we were not, or maybe I shouldn't say, of course, we were not ever with a powerhouse like top division one school that has say an unlimited amount of money that they can spend or close to it. Um, so keep that in mind when I say that um, the, the money factor was different, uh, the time commitment was different, probably the biggest difference between the two, between college and NFL, is that in the NFL, you don't have to recruit. So when the season is over, um, there is more family time. Mm. And so that has absolutely been a blessing for us to have had 20 years thus far in the NFL, that was 20 years where our girls were able to have more time with their dad versus the first 16 years that Craig was in college coaching um, and our girls were young, they did not get to see him as much. Hmm. Wow. Some of the ways you've talked about connecting with other wives, which is, you know, Bible studies and things, you've been a part of a lot of different staffs. Some of the uh, Tell us maybe some things we hadn't thought about. What about, what are some of your, been your favorite ways to connect with other coaches' wives? Oh my goodness. So uh, through the community, uh, different organizations in the NFL that we've been a part of, they typically have a very active um, community um, office and, and um, department. And they are so good about enlisting coaches' wives to be active in the community. And so I can say I've been involved in doing some fashion shows for fundraisers while we were in Tennessee. Um, I have connected with other coaches wise. I think about those early years when we were in college coaching and we were at Northwestern University. There were five families, including us, that lived within say five miles of each other. Mm. And we all became each other's babysitters. That's awesome. So we, when one of us wanted to go grocery shopping with no kids, yes. we would say, bring the kids over. We'll watch them so you can do it. So it was so much fun. And then, you know, those long days when our husbands were at work and, and particularly when the weather is cold and dreary and you can't get outside with the kids to play, we, one of us invariably would say, come on over, bring the kids. And we would just hang out, let the kids play. And then we could have some adult time. Um, gosh, you know, I, I am real thankful that I have always been on a staff where there have been a nucleus of wives that really enjoyed connecting with each other. So sometimes it would might, it would be something as simple as, let's just go on an antique shopping day or good. let's, let's just get together and, and just have lunch with each mm -hmm. other. Let's do check-ins with each other, make sure everyone's okay. You know, just emotionally, mentally, depending on what was going on during that season. So uh, those are some, some ways I would say I was always very intentional 
to build relationships with coaches' wives because I do believe, and I have some fabulous friends that I love and friends that are like family, but my friends that are in the coaching business understand uh, me and my life in ways that my friends who are not in the business mm. do. Yeah. And so those relationships are very important. Yeah, the coaching, sure. the coaching relationships. You're moving to a new town. What's your best advice on getting a new job and childcare, finding people you can trust? What worked for you? So I love this. When I first moved to Lexington, so that was the very first move as a married coach's wife. And I shortly thereafter got pregnant and had Shelby. And I had a pity party one day of I'm in this, I'm a Jersey girl (laughs) in the South. This town is small. There's only 4,500 people in this town. I'm living in on the outskirts of town. So it's real rural. You know, I don't know anybody. And I was having a conversation with my mother this one day. And my mother said, well, this is what you're not going to (laughs) do. You are not going to have a pity party. You're going to find a church and you're going to find a grandmama type. And that's going to help you with the, you know, with babysitting. And she just kind of laid it all out. She was just very frank. And so I would say to all the listeners, you've got to have that friend, that coach's wife, or that family member that's willing to tell you the hard thing. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we don't want to hear that. But that was exactly what I wanted to hear. And, uh, or what I needed to hear, I should say, not what I wanted to hear. Probably not what you want to hear. (laughs) Exactly. But I will tell you, Kristen, um, that that conversation with my mother back in 1989 mm. has stayed with me with every single move. Wow. And so that has been the motivator for me every time I've moved to a new city. Okay, darling, what do you need to do? So it, what do I need to do? I, you know, especially when my children were in school, it's like, okay, I've got to get them situated in school. Mm-hmm. Then I want to get involved with right. school in some form or fashion. So I typically got involved with PTO. Then I got to meet other, other parents, um, teachers, other community members. And I think those things are important. My girls both played sports. So even before I moved, I would do all the research to find out what teams would be available uh, for them to try out for, and then they could then get involved in that. Um, I would, of course, uh, always look for a church, as as my mother (laughs) admonished me. Uh, So that was always an ongoing, and usually that first year of being in that new city, I was the one going to church by myself. So Mm -hmm. I know that's a hard place for some coaches' wives. I've had those conversations before, but I just always have encouraged coaches' wives, even if your husband cannot go, go, because Mm -hmm. you're going to build some relationships um, as you stretch yourself. Um, There's a saying that I have said many times because the Lord has taught me this, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm, that's good. And coaches' wives are queens <laughs> at getting comfortable with the uncomfortable because every time you move, you are moving in uncharted territory. You're, and you have to, you know, you get your, you know, finding a house and then you're getting your house set up and you want your kids to be happy. And, and then you want to be happy. And you've, 
you know, all these little things that you've got to work out. Um, but just, I would say, you know, make a list and be very methodical about it. Uh, and the, the biggest thing is even though it's a difficult transition sometimes, just because it can be so overwhelming and time consuming, attitude is everything. If you take a positive attitude into each move, and I learned that early on and I'm thankful to look at each move as the new leg in the journey of life rather than, oh, I have to do this. Now, of course, if it's a move where your husband's getting this glitzy job and it's all exciting, then that's, that's totally different. But um, it, it is important to just kind of check those lists on those absolute uh, non-negotiable things in a move. And that's your home, your community, your children, uh, your job. I think if you're working a full-time job, you're able to even look for that before you move as well. And I think for coaches wives, if you're working a job that gives you flexibility where you can work from home, that that is very helpful too. If you, if you own your own business or, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely. Great advice. You've talked about being that impact a person and, and leader in your community and with the other wives and getting involved. Share with us a little bit about, you mentioned earlier, but any more detail, I want to talk about how you are, um, helping your husband impact those players have been that positive influence. So you guys having them over, what else do you try to do with them? Oh gosh. Yeah. So we, we, as I mentioned, we'd have them over for dinner. Uh, when we got to the NFL, it's a different relationship. So, you know, it, for all intents purposes, right. They're adults and, mm -hmm. and some of them, many of them have families. And so how they uh, relate to you is a little different than college players. College players look up to you. They, for the most part, many of them desire a family connection away from home. And so it's easier to, to get to know them. They make themselves more available to you. In the NFL, you have to work a little bit harder to build those relationships. Um, but once you do, then opportunities do uh, open up for you. So um, in the NFL, we one of the rhythms of our life uh, every year, I would say every Christmas, we would take his players, um, either take them out to dinner or have them in our home. We've done that before too, have them in our home uh, for dinner because uh, in the NFL, if you're able to do it in your home or you're able to do it in a private room in a restaurant, it allows them time to really just unwind and be themselves without um, people wanting autographs and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then players in the NFL are very much involved uh, in their own like fundraisers uh, that they are involved in various charities that they care about. A lot of players in the NFL have their own foundations. And so uh, oftentimes I would just make myself available uh, to their girlfriend or wife um, to help and support them in whatever fundraiser that they have going on. Uh, and, and those opportunities definitely presented. And, and it was a good way to build a relationship with uh, particularly the player's wife or girlfriend so that, again, a relationship could, could develop and be built. And sometimes there would then be mentoring that would happen mm -hmm. between myself and a player's wife or girlfriend. 
Wow. It's a, it is different than the NFL. You don't really think about it as much because a lot of my listeners are high school and college, but I don't know, there's probably some in the NFL that listen, but um, I think it's really neat just to, you do have to be more strategic, I think, yes. in building those relationships. There's not as easy, you know, um, that's neat. So how do you guys stay connected during the season that you've got anything? Do you watch a show together? Do you try to have a coffee date? What's your thing? So that one is very easy. Uh, we established many years ago date night so when he was in college date night was on a Thursday because that was Mm -hmm. usually their early night where they could come home and we could have dinner together or I'd cook and we'd watch you know we would watch a movie or we might go to the movies uh in the NFL similar but the our date night was Friday night um and so we took advantage of making that as consistent as possible. In fact, when we were, uh, when our girls were in high school, as you can imagine, you know, they don't really want that much to do with you once they get to high school. They're like, what? But we didn't deviate from our, our fam- we called it family night, um, particularly when they got into high school, because it was really important for us to be able to check in with them and and to really know how their week was going. And so even in high school, we would make our girls have a a family dinner and then they could take off and do whatever they needed to do. But um, that that was really important for us to make time for each other is to establish a date night. And then when the season was over in college as well as in the NFL, we um, would spend time thinking back through the season and thinking back through goals that we had set for our family. And we would discuss those goals. Did we make them? Did we not reach those goals? Um, Did we, or did we not? Um, And reset some goals, some financial, you know, goals that we would Mm -hmm. have for our family, vacation goals, um, and just even personal growth those type of things. So at the end of the year, uh, when the season was over, we made sure that we spent time to check in and, and have conversations around those things. Do you get any downtime? I mean, doesn't seem like you do. Hypothetically, yeah. what do you enjoy doing? Oh my gosh, we get, we make time, Kristen. We okay. make time. So, Love it. Um, yeah. So when, when he, you know, we have a little more time right now because he's not coaching. But um, even when he was coaching, yeah, we would make time. We both are fitness buffs. So um, we we would try to work out together. Um, Working out was a regular cadence for me. That also helped with my emotional, mental state of mind during football season. Um, Working out was just absolutely a necessity, right? It helps Mm -hmm. to deal with all the stresses of life. Uh, so Craig and I, we do, we enjoy working out. Um, we, we do play some tennis. We not as often as we'd like. Um, but we do enjoy activities. We like being outside. We like riding bikes, uh, when we have the opportunity and we're getting to do more of that now that he right now is, um, not coaching at this particular minute. We are getting some time to do that together. All right. Last question for you before we hit the rapid fire most rewarding aspects to you about being a coach's wife? Ah, relationships. Yeah. Relationships. I have um, so many 
dear friends from this business um, that I've experienced highs and lows with that I just can't even imagine my life without the relationships of other coaches' wives. Love it. Rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's the last book you have read? I'm reading a book um, by Nedra Tawab about boundaries, healthy boundaries, finding peace. Coach surprises you, walks the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? <laughs> he, he actually did that when we were with the New York Giants. He walked in the door, it was totally unexpected, and he had tickets for MetLife Stadium to see the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Ah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> if you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? Oh, wow. I would say Michelle Obama. I would love to just sit and hear what life was really like in the White House. That would be fun. You get a night alone. What <laughs> show would you binge watch? What show would I binge watch? Mm, gosh, you know what? We binge watch uh, Jack Bauer and 24. Oh, yeah. We do reruns over and over. Oh, uh, my mom is, my mother's my, you know, obviously my faithful listener. She's going to love this section of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> What's your go-to meal to cook? Uh, chicken. Uh, and uh, it's such an easy, it's a creamy chicken over noodles, egg noodles. Okay. What sport can you beat coach Johnson in? Mm, I would say tennis. Oh, nice. What's one thing non-tech you can't live without? Non-tech? Non-tech. Okay. Uh, that I can't live without. You said one thing? Just one thing. Oh, my Bible. There you go. Everybody has something that needs to be thrown away in your house. What's the ugliest thing you own? <laughs> the ugliest thing I own. Um, probably some beat up slippers that I keep holding on to. If you had a superpower, what would that be? Discernment. Oh, okay. You might have the best answer I've heard. And I don't know how many podcasts are we at a hundred yet? I don't know. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> awesome job. Thank you so much, Darlene, for sharing with us. Oh, Kristen, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I do. I do love this business and I love coaches wives. And so if anything that I share today is an encouragement to them, then my heart is happy. This podcast is brought to you by Rule of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at ruler-hope or online at rulerofhope.org. For a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.